You're listening to the Recondition Podcast, and on this episode, we're going to hear from fertility expert Zeta West on how to holistically aid your fertility treatment and just what it takes to be fertile. So keep listening for all things wellness and growth. Your personality creates your personal reality. Authentic power is when your personality comes to serve the energy of your soul. The truth is the body is one ecosystem. You can get to the root cause and everything goes away. Welcome to the Recondition Podcast, where I use my knowledge and expertise of over a decade in the wellness and transformation world to take a deep dive into what makes us thrive as humans. I'm Lauren Vacneen, leading wellness and transformation coach. And following my remission from the rheumatoid arthritis I'd had for 27 years that left me wheelchair bound by the age of 18, I created a unique coaching combination, conflating physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of self to create true long lasting well being in all senses of the word. This podcast is one of the many free resources I've created to help you achieve the same. Whether you're suffering from chronic illness, raising children in a world of conflicting information, you're an entrepreneur wanting to step into your purpose, or you simply want to feel empowered and motivated to become the best version of yourself, join me along with expert guests as we uncover the most actionable and tangible ways to recondition ourselves back to wellness. This season of Reconditioned is sponsored by Block Blue Light, the world's leading supplier of blue and artificial light blocking products, including blue light glasses and blue blocking lighting solutions. Blue light blocking products aim to alleviate digital eye strain, improve sleep, and optimize health through mitigating the harmful effects of artificial light from screens and modern lighting. For a 10% discount across the range, visit blockbluelight.co.uk and enter the code LAUREN10. Thank you to Block Blue Light. Good morning, everyone, uh, or it might be afternoon or evening where you are. I am recording this on the day we have gone back into lockdown in London town, which isn't ideal, but equally it is what it is and I'm surrendering to it. My kids are in school still, so I'm not going to complain. I've just recorded amazing episode with Zeta West, who is the founder of the Zeta West Clinic in London. I wanted to get Zeta on the show because, and what I'm going to do now is just kind of preface why my story, my IVF and fertility story, so that you kind of understand where I'm coming from with this and why I wanted Zeta on the show. I didn't really want to go into my whole story on the episode because I wanted it to be more about the information she could offer. So I thought I would kind of offer that now to give you a bit of background and insight into where I'm coming from with this. So we realised that we needed IVF pretty soon after trying to conceive uh, and our situation was a male factor issues so we had to do everything we could on improving sperm quality so we went to a different clinic first and I have to say we did have a great experience with this other clinic they were brilliant and really nurturing and caring and and actually you know I had a very emotionally positive experience with them our first cycle failed we collected um I got very very sick I'm not sure and I I think this is the case that I spent a long time kind of clearing my body out of all the you know chemo drugs and steroids and anything I'd been on over the years 
before my remission and trying to detox my body of anything that wasn't natural, that was toxic. So I think when I had IVF, my body was so clean of all this stuff, that it really just cried out. And I think also having the MTHFR gene mutation plays a part in that as well, because your body can't methylate properly, it can't absorb um, well, it can't it can't detoxify from toxins. The liver the liver can't detoxify efficiently when you've got MTHFR. So I think it kind of makes this build up, and there is a, a side effect that some women it's rare that you can get from IVF. It's called OHSS, um, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. And I got that. So a week into my treatment, I was in huge amounts of pain. I couldn't even sit down walking, was agony just because if I sat down, the pressure going kind of from where I was sitting was pushing up on my ovaries. Like I have never felt my ovaries in my life. All of a sudden I could feel my ovaries. It was the most painful thing. And my scans were showing that my ovaries, which should be the size of almonds, had grown to the size of oranges. And the clinic were really worried about my progress and if I was going to get really sick and OHSS can be really dangerous. So I was going into the clinic every day and they were monitoring me really closely and obviously we wanted to get to the end of the cycle and try and get the eggs out. But I got so sick that they had to do the egg retrieval a couple of days early. So we did worry about whether or not we would the eggs would be mature enough. We got five mature eggs, but then after the procedure, I was so ill that I got um, I got taken to hospital and I was in hospital for five days. I was on IV antibiotics, the strongest pain relief you can imagine. I mean, I was delirious. I had infections all over the place. It was just a horrific time. So they had to freeze the eggs because obviously we couldn't have the, usually you would have the eggs put, but the, the eggs would fertilize with the sperm in, in the lab that day. And then you'd be told how many, how many fertilized. And then anything from three to five days later, you'd have them put back and hope that it results in a pregnancy that you'd conceive. So we couldn't do that because I was in hospital. So the clinic advised that I uh, get better and rest. This was in November and that we try in the new year when I was better. So obviously even that was a bit of a, you know, it was disheartening. You go through all this stuff and you're ready and it's just, that's the problem with IVF. It's constant hurdles. And I, in January, we went back and as soon as I got my period, we started the process to be able to put the embryos back. And because all five of our embryos, of our eggs fertilized, so we had five embryos frozen. But when they took them out the freezer, they none of them survived the thaw. So we lost all five. So we then had to go straight back into another treatment and it was like all that work and everything I'd been through was for nothing um which I know isn't the case there is a greater plan out there and all of that but at the time when you're going through that it's pretty tough to to take so we had another cycle and I didn't get as sick and I didn't get OHSS but I was still pretty unwell and in a lot of pain but we put two embryos in we only had two embryos left after the whole thing like every day another one kept not being viable and we put two back and I got pregnant um but it showed that but I basically I started bleeding it they both probably took and I miscarried one so Braxton was a twin um but we did get Braxton from that cycle so there was that and thank god all of that went fine I had Brax and then when we wanted to try again we went back to the same clinic and then I had um, another miscarriage from the cycle there and what I realized was that it was just kind of all about the drugs even though I had a great emotional experience with the clinic it was very much about the drugs and that's when I heard about Zeta and her clinic and that she takes a holistic approach to fertility 
And it was something so different. You go in and she's asking you what's going on in your life, what's going on in your relationship, what are you eating, you know, all this stuff. And then you get a nutritionist who puts you on a nutrition plan for both the both partners um, because obviously the sperm quality was of utmost importance. So Daniel needed to be able to follow that protocol to a T. And so we went through that and then we got pregnant with Vida. And um, so it was pretty awesome, actually. And um, it, it was a great experience. And so I wanted to introduce you all to Zita because her knowledge, her expertise, her background, being a midwife and kind of creating this clinic originally that was a holistic fertility clinic and then introducing IVF with a holistic approach. It was amazing. So without further ado, here is Zita West. Zita West began her career as a midwife and after suffering with both severe morning sickness and postnatal depression in her own pregnancies, she began taking an interest in a more natural approach. Eventually, after studying nutrition and acupuncture, she decided to combine her medical and holistic training by first bringing acupuncture to the NHS in Warwick Hospital and then by opening the Zita West Clinic. The clinic is like no other fertility clinic out there as the highly skilled team of practitioners use a holistic approach to fertility, beginning with treatment plans three months prior to conception, alongside conventional fertility treatments, achieving some of the highest fertility success rates out there. So thank you. Welcome to the show, Zita. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Oh, well, there's so much great stuff to cover. And I've got so many notes, um, because this topic is obviously very close to my heart. So I want to dive right in. And I wonder if maybe a good place to start would be is if if you take us back to that time during your own pregnancies, and what was missing that made you follow the route that you did? Oh my goodness, you're asking me to go back a long, long way (laughs) because my daughter is now 35 and my son is 32. But I, um, you know, I always loved, I I still am a midwife actually, I'm still a practicing midwife, although I don't deliver, Um, I do see women antenatally. Um, But I think for me, I was so sick with both pregnancies and, I, even to this day, I still can't eat strawberries because that was the one thing that I ate. And, I, you know, there's some obviously link there. But um, I was really, really sick. Uh, I didn't want to take drugs because I think that's the one time when a woman is pregnant that she doesn't want to take absolutely anything. Mm. Um, and anyway, my pregnancy progressed. I lost a lot of weight. I then had postnatal depression with my son. And I think it was just, Lauren, due to total and utter exhaustion. You know, going through a pregnancy where you don't eat, you feel sick, um, then you come out the other end exhausted is really, really hard. And at that time, the, you know, I'm going back a long time ago, 30 years ago, everything we're doing today is accepted. But going back then, acupuncture and homeopathy and reflexology and herbs and all of that was really on the fringes. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't accepted. And there was no Dr. Google, of course, which um, I don't know how people manage without now. So I had to be my own sort of, I had to do my own diagnosis. I knew I had a very good GP, but for me, I didn't feel I needed antidepressants. I was just exhausted. Um, And antidepressants are one of the first lines of of treatment. And it was very hard as well going into, I was working as a community midwife and going into different homes um, with with mums with babies. And I think that the the final straw for me was when I um, crashed the car 
um, it wasn't a bad crash. I just reversed into a bollard and I came back and I remember saying to my husband, don't you say a thing about me in the car? You know, I was really sort of upset. Mm. And he said, look, I think you need to go and get some help. And so my help was my GP, but I also started to read up on things and um, going back then, we had lots of newsletters that came through doors, you know, advertising local services. So I think I tried all sorts of weird and wacko things. I remember going to one lady that was a homeopath and allowing her to give me homeopathic injections. I don't even know what they were. And when I left to leave, I remember asking her, I said, so how much is that? Now, it doesn't sound a lot now, but it was a hell of a lot then. And it came to £350, which was my mortgage payment, which was absolutely terrifying. So then I, you know, trying all these different things. And then I tried acupuncture and that really resonated with me um, as a midwife and the way that the Chinese didn't just um, separate the mind, body and spirit. It was it was whole. So I brought them this into the NHS because I was able to treat women for um, morning sickness, backache, all of the ailments of pregnancy that women don't want to take medication for. I was able to use it during labor. So it was, you know, it's fantastic for me to be able to do that. And the more I did with pregnancy, the more people started coming to ask me for fertility. So it, it just grew from there, Lauren. It, you know, it just sort of snowballed. I think sometimes you've got to be careful what you ask for. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I love how you just spoke there about, you know, crashing the car. And I think so many women can relate to that, that just complete despondency after you've had a baby and you should be feeling so happy, but there's just, it's so overwhelming and you're so exhausted and you go into your husband, you go, don't say anything about the car. Don't say anything about me. And I, that really touched a nerve with me because I just remember those feelings of, you know, both times and thinking the men just, don't get it they can't possibly understand the full extent of those hormones and how you're feeling you know in those depths of despondency I know I remember, like my mother god love her I mean she's dead now but for her it was like I just don't understand you've got two healthy children you've got a boy and a girl you've got a lovely husband and a lovely home and you know you're still not happy and it's like mom it's not about not being happy I'm absolutely I'm just exhausted I don't know how I'm going to get through the day Right, because I wonder if that gen, I don't know if your mum did or didn't, but I know that, you know, a lot of women from that generation didn't work or didn't have those pressures of having to go back to work after they had babies. And so it was very different for them and they had help or they had their mothers around. And I think it's so they did, but my, my mother was great at telling me I didn't have a washing machine. I didn't have a fridge. <laughs> I didn't have a dishwasher, you know, it's sort of like, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, they came with their own challenges. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it was treating postnatal depression then very different to how it is now well I you know I I had a form of postnatal depression but it wasn't psychosis or really bad mm. I looking back now it was pure and utter exhaustion and you know as much as I loved my babies and children I would wake up in the morning and all I wanted to do was go to bed at night I was just mm. so tired and of course you can't go to bed at night because when you wake up you wake up because you've got babies that are waking up during the night so you know it's that yeah. that fatigue so it, it it I think mental health definitely around um mental health around fertility and pregnancy and postnatal is so much better now than it was and it's interesting for me I mean I've been a midwife for 40 years but I remember women with hyperemesis or you know nor like like 
the Duchess of yeah. Cambridge had, they were considered, um, th th you know, that th that was a psychological thing. That you know, people didn't believe it was a physical thing, which is incredible now, isn't it? And the hilarity of that is actually that then, if you that the medical community very rarely believes that emotional issues or repressed emotions can cause physical issues when it's something else. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's so when why it's like I, a woman problem, they just, oh, it's just a woman being hysterical. Yeah, and that's how that's how hyperemesis was viewed a lot going back sort of 40 years that, you know, I remember being on the ward one night and this man came in with his wife in a wheelchair and just sort of left her on the ward. I mean, he was beside himself and it affects the whole family. I know it does. But yes. um, I think that we're a lot more open now about mental health. I think that that that's and that's a very positive thing. Yeah, it is. And I, I think, you know, social media gets a really bad rap, but in, in things like for mental health, you know, so many celebrities or influencers talking about mental health and how it's affected them and to hear other people who you know, or people who you would assume have perfect lives talking about their anxieties or postnatal depression, things like that, it really helps people relate to it. And I think that helps the men as well to understand that this is something that is real and the women need support and it's a long term thing. Yeah, it is. And I, I think what is really, you know, like lockdown is is awful. Um, and this is the second time round for women that are trying for a baby's women that are pregnant. But I think the whole community on IGTV that I do my lives with, um, it's accessible to everybody. And that's mm. the difference. You know, it's not just, you, you know, you've got money, you can access this. I think people are willingly giving um, information now which I think is a very positive thing I do that that was exactly my point about about um social media now I think there yeah. is you know if you're following the right people it can be an amazing place to get information like that yeah yeah so what I love about your approach and loved about it for me is that um you don't well for me it was a different situation but generally you don't go straight to IVF you coach no. people towards making themselves more naturally fertile um, before you start the process. I'd love to hear more about that and generally how the clinic works. Okay, so for, for, for me, IV, even though I have got an IVF clinic, IVF isn't the first route. Mm. I look at two things. I look at age and I look at the time somebody's been trying. So you're always weighing up, Lauren, the, the you know, who's in front of you, what the situation is, what the relationship is like um, from the questionnaire, what their diet is like, their mindset. Is there anything that's stopping them from this happening? And are they having enough sex? And these are questions that really aren't asked in medical by, by medics you know obviously the medics take some of it into account but they're more interested in what protocols what drug treatments what your egg reserves are um, etc so for me fertility has always been a whole body event and it's all interconnected and you know what some women aren't ready to go down an IVF route and they need time and so if you work within a time frame um, and I, I can't remember what I, I um, said to you but it's, you know, if you work within a time frame, then that couple or that woman has got time to make the changes that she needs to make. And she knows that if in three or four months time, nothing's happened, she can switch to plan B when she feels more ready to do it. And that's the problem with fertility clinics. Most of them mm. just do IVF. They don't do the in-between bit well. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, I live my whole life based on a holistic approach. That's my entire premise yeah. of life. And yeah. so for me, it, it really resonated because we came in and, 
you looked at kind of you know the nutrition and the mental state and all of that and we were put on a protocol for three months you know for nutrition before we even started the treatment um because even with the so you know we knew what the situation was and we did need to go down the fertility route but then you still want to be able to improve the egg and sperm quality yeah absolutely yeah knowing about that was did you did you feel and I'm just asking this as a personal question because so many women um are drawn towards the word natural and I'm a huge I'm like 100% optimistic the whole natural thing is really important but I do think the medical side is equally important and I think for some women that like you said you live your whole life holistically did you find it a disappointment that you ended up doing IVF? It was a really difficult time for me because my whole remission from arthritis came through following a holistic approach. And I'd been on all the drugs for years. You know, I'd had arthritis since I was two. And, you know, it took me 10 years to get myself clean from all the chemo drugs and everything I'd been on. So for then to be told that I had to go on IVF and I didn't have a choice and our our situation was male factor. So it was almost even harder because it was like, it's not even my body, you know? Yeah. And so we knew that there wasn't a way out of that. And so I made my peace with it and I surrendered to it. And I worked with my homeopath afterwards and my naturopath. And I did a lot of detoxing of the fertility drugs. But and this is why I've written quite extensively about a holistic approach to fertility and aiding your body through the fertility process, because there are some situations where there isn't a choice. You have to have the fertility treatment. So knowing that a place like your clinic offers this holistic approach alongside for me that really spoke to me because I didn't have that choice so if it was not just a complete pharmaceutical approach where there was no other talk of you know acupuncture and you know just this the supportiveness of having the acupuncture and the the nutrition the counseling and everything that you offer that for me was what did it yeah um so yeah, it was it was a huge deal. And I think even for people who are not maybe as holistically minded, knowing that your body is still being looked after alongside the fertility drugs, I think most women would find that appealing. Yeah, and I think, you know, I... I think as well, it's it's interesting because when I first started doing this a long time ago, I know that a lot of doctors thought I was sort of slightly mad, you know, that, that <laughs> you know, how can any of this affect? And I think there's evidence now to show that like, you know, the mind, body, nutrition, nutrients, um, you know, one of the questions we're always asked, can I improve my egg quality and sperm quality? And you'll hear, well, no, you're born with all the eggs that, you know, they're genetically determined. And that, yeah, that's correct. But I think you can, inv- you can change the environment in which your eggs are growing through nutrients and things and and you know I know um, evidence-based medicine is important but it's not everything and I think that women intuitively know what they need but when it comes to fertility they lose that intuition because they're in such a panic and it it's it's fear-based and mind-based so much of what you just said I want to unpack because yeah yeah, you know that is so true the fear you know we get into this oh my god and I've just got to go for it and you do you lose all your intuition I think that happens in the early days of motherhood as well where maybe generations ago it didn't but now we've got so many books and so many people telling us how we should do things that we kind of forget that we have this innate maternal instinct and you know so with fertility yeah it's absolutely the same um 
fertility issues are on the rise very much yeah. now yeah um yeah. So I think for me, it seems like it must be something to do with our lifestyle. Um, and you just touched on um, the egg and sperm quality. And we do know through, you know, it, you just mentioned about, you know, the medical, uh, uh, the evidence based stuff and how it's important, but it's not everything. And yeah. for me, perhaps it's not everything because it changes all the time. Science constantly evolves we prove ourselves wrong from the thing that we five years ago seemed like the best thing yeah. you know here's the next best medication or the next best and here's the next research that kind of debunks the last research that we said was the best one and so yeah it's constantly yeah. evolving whereas kind of a holistic approach is what it is you're working with the body not against it yeah. so going back to kind of infertility being on the rise what do you think the reasons are for that I think age has a huge factor in it, you know, and I think that I never see women that have left it too late because of their careers. I see women who haven't, you know, that, that life has got in the way. They've come out of a long term relationship. They're looking after elderly parents. They haven't really wanted a baby, have been a bit ambivalent. And then, you know, mm. so they wake up at 38, 39 and think about it. So age does have a huge impact. But, you know, there are so many more options now for women, such as egg freezing. You know, all of those things um, have come a long way in the last couple of years. But age is definitely one yeah. of the biggest factor. But male factor is on the rise as well. You know, it's 50-50 now. Right, which is exactly kind of why I asked that question, because to me, and this is totally empirical, but it it, it seems like there must be something to do with our lifestyles and the toxins yeah. that we are ingesting, breathing in, whatever it may be, because male factor seems to be on the rise at such an alarming rate. So what are the men doing a lot? Because this all used to be blamed on the women, didn't it? You know, if your yeah. woman couldn't fall pregnant, it was, oh, she can't have a baby. And whereas now we're seeing the male factor um, infertility is on the rise. And so what is it in our lifestyles that's causing this to happen? Well, I think, you know, I think what's difficult about male fertility and that there's a lot more support for, for male fertility now, but men are fortunate in that they're producing sperm 24 seven. Mm. So there is, there are easier routes if you have got male fertility, such as ICSI, um, where you yeah. take one sperm. But I do think our lifestyles, I think alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, heat, all of these things we know have an impact on egg and sperm uh, egg and sperm health and you know the way you know not everybody I don't believe in a balanced diet I think um it's a bit of a it's a bit of a myth um but I do think that the way our food is processed the fats the low fats the fads you know it, it all contributes all of it contributes absolutely I love that you said about low fats because I'm such a I feel so strongly about that yeah <laughs> yeah low fat you know, stuff on our yeah, shelves yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm glad I'm glad you said that because I do I think that our lifestyles are and, and just the environments, the toxic environments that we live in, I think it's playing a huge part. So what for, for couples that may be trying to conceive now, what who aren't yet thinking about the fertility route? or don't seem to have any issues at all, what could they be doing to improve their fertility? Well, I think that you should plan at least three months uh, before you start trying. I think one of the things I, ha I do a lot of is managing young women's expectation or any woman's expectation that it can take eight to 12 months to get pregnant. So mm. for so many women, they wake up, want a baby, and I get questions through like, I've been trying for three months, nothing's happening, I want all the tests. And three months is, 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 is nothing. So. Do the best you can. Don't put everything on hold. 
um, cut out, cut, cut right down on alcohol, take a multivitamin and mineral with folate in it, not folic acid, but also vitamin D is so important. Um, so, you know, do all of that, make sure you've had a sexual health check, a smear, your rubella is up to date, you know, you've had a, a, a test. And these are all the things that you can plan. If you're overweight, lose weight. If you're underweight, you know, try and put some weight on. But I think, you know, having a baby is an unconscious thing. The more you think about it, the harder it is. And when women come through to me with secondary fertility issues, all of them say without a doubt, oh my God, I don't understand why this is happening the first time it happened in the first month. But because you start to think about it, it gets, it gets harder. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? And then, and then it's like a vicious cycle that's so hard to manage. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that you touched on folate, not folic acid. I've got the MTHFR gene mutation, yeah. so I was really clear about that. Um, the The difficulty was that any of the fertility uh, doctors I went to before you had no clue about MTHFR and were advising me to take higher doses of folic acid which is, which, which, which is bad was miscarriage right yeah, yeah um yeah. luckily I'd come to it having already done my research but most women don't and there is an increase in miscarriage now and so many women are miscarrying left right and center I mean most of my friends have miscarried at some point I would say the majority of my friends so do you think that this could be a huge contributing factor in that I I, I don't because um I think that miscarriages are more common than you think and women don't factor that in when they get pregnant and this is one of the conversations I always have with delays in getting pregnant you know a woman will do the um an AMH test and she will have done it and phone me up and say oh I'm doing it because I want to know how long I've got and I always say even if she's 30 you don't know how long you've got because the delays with fertility you know if it takes eight months to get pregnant and that's not for everybody just for some then you get pregnant and miscarriage is really common then you have to pick yourself up you have to start again and you can see where 18 months have gone to so um and then it's only then when you've had a miscarriage that you start to ask other women and you find out, oh, my goodness, I'm not on my own. You know, lots of women have. But um, so I, I think it's more common than you think. But certainly if you've got a specific condition like you have, which is autoimmune, then, you know, it, the folate is important and miscarriage is more common. Yeah, I always say to women that, that come to me um about this that even if you don't know if you've got the mthfr gene and even if you don't have it folate yeah. is still more bioavailable and it's going to help yes. it, it's going to it's going to absorb better in your body yeah. and therefore yeah. help the process um yeah it, it's just it's it's very there's so much to unpack with all that kind of stuff and i think that's another... it is and and you know doctors and nurses still talk about folic acid not folate. i know it, it amazes me it really does amaze me and i i wonder why they're not catching on to it because there is a lot of evidence and there's also evidence to suggest that around 70 percent of the population have mthfr so yeah. if that's the case why are we not just taking folate so you actually, leading on very nicely from that, <laughs> created your own range of vitamins, which I think is incredible. I'd love to hear more about that. Well, I, I, um, I've always been, you know, very, very creative. And I remember sort of thinking, I, I really want to do my own. I, I really want to do my own vitamins because nutrition helped me so much through postnatal depression, 
Um, and if I'd known what I know now back then, there was a, so many more things that I could have done because I was aware. And um, and again, I was very influenced by, um, oh my goodness, what's his name? It doesn't sound very good, does it? Um, oh, professor, what was his name? I can't remember. But anyway, so I was very influenced by a certain professor from um, Southampton who's sadly dead now, but he came up with this theory about, and I think it's led on to the thousand days, you know, the, the campaign about a thousand days all the way to your question for your you. Child. Sorry. <laughs> That's my next question for you. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so I, I was really influenced by him. I remember watching horizon program. I don't think horizon exists now and, and sending off to the BBC for the transcript and read it avidly. And it was all about the fact that there's so much you can do to influence your your baby growing in utero and as a midwife of 40 years ago we just accepted a baby grew in, in utero and then you did all the work when the baby came out but now we know so much more that they have different periods of growth spurts in utero where key nutrients are needed at the right time to optimize the organs you know the baby's organs so you know for example the brain at 28 weeks goes through a rapid period of growth. And if you don't have enough essential fats and you can't manufacture your own, you have to get them from your, your diet, um, you, you know, your, your, your baby will be depleted. Um, so I did my vitamins trimester by trimester to try and include different nutrients that were needed. So in the second trimester, putting more calcium, vitamin D, boron, you know, all the things for bone density and teeth, you know, so it's always excited me. It's always interested me. Mm, yeah, I love it. And you've got such a comprehensive range as well now. So for anyone interested, you know, in just generally, you know, in your fertility, if you're trying to conceive, have a look on the website because there, there's some amazing vitamins available there. Let's go into the first thousand days. I'd love for you to talk more about that. We now know there's so much that you can influence with your fertility and your pregnancy for, for the growing, for your growing baby. And not just about nutrients, but how you manage your stress levels, how you live your life, how you connect to your baby, etc. And, you know, what a baby loves, what a baby needs is, is love. And I think there is so much information now for newborn mums that was never around when, when I had my kids that looks into all of this, you know, mm. so people are really aware. And it's not just, it's, it's about optimising your child's future health. But I was going to say that I have now brought out a, a new range. I don't know whether you've said it, seen it, Baba West. Which, no, I haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah, I've done it with Leonora Bamford, who um, is the founder of the parenting website, um, My Baba. And I, I'm so excited about it because it's a natural progression for me in terms of like vitamin D for infants, uh, probiotics for uh, infants, um, toddlers and children. So, uh, and what, what I'm excited about is two or three years ago, I wanted to do this, but newborn mums were very reluctant to give drops or anything to an infant. And now the Department of Health suggests, you know, vitamin D and probiotics and yeah. things. So I am excited about that. I'm really excited. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, it, the, pro yeah. the probiotic part has really excited me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
We'll be back to the episode really soon, but first a quick word from our sponsors, Block Blue Light. So as a busy mum and entrepreneur, there are days where I have to work into the evening, and this means being at my screen way longer than I'd prefer. So a while back, I invested in a pair of blue light blocking glasses. Now, if you've never heard of blue light blocking, let me give you a quick rundown. Natural blue light from the sun boosts our mood and alertness, but technology has meant that we're now exposed to so much artificial blue light from screens, devices and all modern lighting and it's really affecting our health. Artificial blue light disrupts our sleep, interferes with our hormones and causes digital eye strain which can lead to long-term eye health issues. Now I've been wearing my blue light blocking glasses for a while but it was in the second lockdown when I was homeschooling that I decided to get a pair for my five-year-old to protect him from the amount of screen time that was required for his learning and he now wears them anytime he's at a screen and if he's watching TV after dark. We got them from Block Blue Light, who are the world's leading supplier of blue and artificial light blocking products. I chose them above some of the other brands because they're dedicated to delivering the world's most optimal and science-backed blue light glasses and blue blocking lighting solutions like light bulbs. Some benefits you might notice instantly are improved sleep, less headaches, less migraines if you suffer from them, less eye strain, and a genuine boost in your well-being as your body adjusts back to its natural circadian rhythms. And let me tell you, since wearing these glasses, it's the first time in his whole five years that my son has slept past 7am. And my most recent revelation with Block Blue Light has been their fit over glasses. Because I wear glasses for TV and computer and was finding it hard to wear both. But the fit over glasses are designed to slip right over your normal glasses without any heaviness or strain. So you get the best of both worlds. So to check out all of Block Blue Light's incredible health boosting products, including day and nighttime glasses, blue light blocking light bulbs, and 100% light blocking sleep masks to help you into a deeper sleep, visit blockbluelight.co.uk and use the code Lauren10 for a 10% discount. That's blockbluelight.co.uk and use the code Lauren10. Thank you to Block Blue Light. So what would you advise for people that have had no luck with other clinics? Um, could that be because of this complete medical approach? Because you, your rates, your success rates are really high. So there must be something in that. Well, we we do a lot of uh, we we you know we see a lot of women that have failed at other clinics. And George, our medical director, he does do a lot with um, immune and women with autoimmune. Um, it's very difficult, isn't mm. it? Because you know people can access our clinic whether they're coming to it or not for the nutrition, the hypnotherapy, the acupuncture, and we support a lot of women that are at other clinics. And I would never feel make anybody feel bad about where they're going. You know, I would support them in what they're mm. in what they're doing unless they decide they want to come along and and see us and I think that every clinic does different things and specializes in different things but there is a difference mm. definitely with success rates from clinic to clinic but I think for our approach you know it has to go is you know that holistic approach it's no good me just believing in it it has to go all the way down through the clinic and it's really important that the doctors buy into it or the staff buy into it which they have you know so for us um, it's the individualized approach. No two people are the same. It's 
appropriate IVF which is suitable for you you know so again women will come along and said oh I read about natural IVF or I've read about mild IVF it has to be appropriate to you you know mild or natural might not be um, it is the intensive monitoring that we do so we really sort of micromanage um, cycles um, we offer nutrition as part of our package because we really believe that nutrition lays down the foundations and it was quite um, it was it really shocked me when we first started because I thought that women would be so excited that we're coming through to have free nutrition and vitamin D checks and everything. But a large majority that first came to us were the women that had failures at other clinics. And it was like, just give us the drugs. We don't want vitamin D. We don't want to do the nutrition. And we said, you have to do this. And I think that's what makes the difference. Mm -hmm. It's managing the medical and the uh, and the holistic side. So it's using the acupuncture. It's the support that with the that the nurses give is is second to none because we're constantly yeah. on email constantly on the phone and you know before i set up the clinic it was asked doing focus groups and asking women what they wanted and a lot of the frustration was we can't get through to our clinic you know we're panicked because we don't know when to do this or that or the other yeah. so we really do do a lot of support within the team yeah, and I can I can definitely vouch for that. Uh, but I also I do understand where those women are coming from that you spoke about that they come and they're really panicked and they're just like give me the drugs because having been there I know that I, I know that panic you know you yeah. you just want to get pregnant already so it kind of it makes sense but the slower you take it and the more you focus on doing the right things the more sustainable that pregnancy is going to be. Yeah. And also it is about managing your mindset as well. IVF is stressful. There's mm. lots of hurdles to get through. And if you're not in that right frame of mind to be focused, um, it, it, it goes against you. And I see, you know, I notice it with the women that are highly stressed. They're trying to do 600,000 things at once. They're the women that forget to take their trigger injection or, you know, they've got too much on the to-do list. So it is about stepping back. And I'm I also ask when a couple come in, you know, what else is going on in your life? And mm. when I hear that they're moving house, they're doing an extension, they're living out of a microwave, um, they've got kids, they're, they're traveling, it's too much. You know, you've got to sort of do this at a time when you're going to have real focus and be able to focus on everything that you need to do. Yeah, I think the thing with IVF that most people, including myself, we don't realize until you start it, is just how grueling it is and yeah. it's draining you know emotionally physically financially you have to be just focused on that so what do you do with women who for example come in and they've got really high powered careers and they're trying to do this alongside that do you ask them to take a step back a bit I think they have to clear their diaries so it's you know like if they've got 6,000 meetings and they're planning to do IVF you know the next month I think you've got to look ahead and you've got to sort of manage your diary so you've got the time and you know we're a great clinic but all IVF clinics don't always run to time so if yeah. you've got you, you know if you're coming from the city and you've got a meeting in the city at 11 o'clock you've got a scan at nine and if somebody comes in before you where there's no heartbeat or there's a miscarriage or whatever you've got to give to that woman so that means you're sitting in the waiting room and you you're, you're frantic because you've got to get back to the you've got to get back to work you know so I think you've got to try during that especially that two-week period of the injections the, the stimulating and the scans etc to make the time to do it I don't necessarily think you have to give up work I think it's a good distraction to go to work mm. 
And what other ways can women um, kind of de-stress or, or manage their stress levels? I think, I think um, you know, at the clinic we use a lot of hypnotherapy. So Maureen always gives techniques for women to use. So when you're sitting in that waiting room, just being able to breathe or just distracting yourself instead of the adrenaline coursing through you because you're going to be late for for work so there's a lot that you can do we use we look at using acupuncture we look at using hypnotherapy some women like to have reflexology it depends on what works for you but mindset is really important yeah just kind of slowing down the mind and like yeah. you said, coming back to the breath yeah um do you know how many zeta west babies there have been I, I don't. We get loads and loads of um, cards <laughs> in and, you know, it's the, it's the whole team because like women resonate with different members of the team. So, you know, it's great to get all the baby photos through. Really, really good. Oh, it'd be great to know how many Z2S babies yeah, have been. Good. I mean, I know that we had, I know that we had a party three years ago and that was wonderful. It was um, held at the Royal Society of Medicine and that was our first 500 babies. And oh, it was wow. you know, magical for all of us because the stories and <sighs> the team and yeah it was great really really good so we should repeat that after covid oh yeah i'd love to come i think you've got our picture of vida there up on your wall oh, somewhere <laughs> good, good. um a question i did want to ask is is how does pregnancy um for women who have had ivf differ from pregnancy of women who have conceived naturally that's a good question because Women that have IVF and have had years of struggle, they know everything about fertility and they know nothing about being pregnant. So when they get mm -hmm. when they do their pregnancy test, they are elated. But that elation lasts for less than five minutes because then the panic steps in and the anxiety yeah. steps in. So I do a lot of early pregnancy talks and um, women are so anxious about absolutely everything. And. And I tell them in the, in the kindest way that they can't afford to be this anxious because they've got nine months to go. And then once you have the baby, I know for me as a midwife who knew an awful lot, but coming home with that newborn baby, it was like overwhelming. It's like, oh, my God, this is my responsibility now, 24 mm seven, -hmm. um, you know, <laughs> forever. Uh, so he's giving them techniques to help with their anxiety and I can absolutely understand it because you know you have you 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 live for that seven week scan and it's okay then you live for the nine week scan and then you panic when you leave the clinic at 12 weeks or 10 weeks because you feel like you're out there on your own and it, it takes a while to adapt to being pregnant because you're using a lot of energy in the beginning especially with the baby the embryo developing but you're using a lot of energy as well through worry and you yeah. worry about every single little thing especially if you've had miscarriages or IVF failures yeah and I think as well um the the rates of postnatal depression are higher in women that have had IVF that's interesting and do you yeah. think that's because of the anxiety levels that have been there I, from so you know from so long through all the treatments yeah, and then through I, I the pregnancy think I, yeah, I think it is. And I think there's a lot more support now in terms of perinatal mental health, you know, in terms of the psychiatrist, there are people that um, are able to help women through. And what about physically with a pregnant with an IVF pregnancy? Does it differ from a natural pregnancy? Do you have well, to do in, things in differently? In some women, it does. You know, some women have a lot of spotting um, in the first 12 weeks, and it could be that they had more than one embryo put back, or it could be that, that that's just a pattern pattern for them. But I, I often say that once, once they got to 12 weeks, I, I always say to women, I want you now to normalise this pregnancy, mm. you know, 
you've done 12 weeks, you stand a good chance, don't, you know, don't fret, normalize the pregnancy. And, you know, the second trimester, hopefully, you're over a lot of those ailments. Mm. And you're, you're starting to get a bit more confident. Yeah. See, what I love about you and your approach is because you're a midwife and you've worked with pregnant women and babies, you very much implement, understand the importance of the actual pregnancy and what will happen during the pregnancy and once the baby's born. Whereas a lot of fertility clinics are just about the getting pregnant and don't yeah. really have this insight into managing your emotions and your stress levels during pregnancy and after 12 yeah. weeks and I think that actually makes plays a really huge part in the decisions that you've made and how your your treatments and your protocols have come together yeah yeah no it, do, it does and you know I honestly believe that all women that get pregnant especially after IVF and there's no evidence to support this need to wrap themselves in cotton wool and I tell them that don't don't do too much you know go with what your body's doing rest go to bed early you know do all the things that don't go to the gym don't sort of have your to-do list just just be you know and just sort of take it as easy as you can. I'm so glad you said that because I really feel like that and intuitively for me I felt that I needed that I really yeah. felt like I wanted to wrap myself in cotton wool I wanted to rest and you know in the the two weeks where you you've got that two week wait between the That's when you hard. have the the embryo transfer and when you get your results and all the advice out there and there's all these you know IVF groups on Facebook and actually I had to come off all of them because they they drove me a bit mad. Well, yeah. that's good to have the support. There was just too much, you know, uh, information and all going into you because everyone's different. Everyone's yeah. results going to be different. So, um, but in the, those two weeks, they say, no, you should go about your daily life. And you should. And for me, I didn't feel like that. I felt like I wanted to rest. I wanted yeah. to give my body nutritionally the very best chance of this pregnancy taking. And then for those first 12 weeks as well, I just felt very much like I just wanted to nurture myself and nourish myself emotionally and physically. And that was my my top priority. And I know and it's hard, it's hard. It is hard for women though that, you know, have to get up early and go into the office and all of yeah. that. So for them, it's saying like when you get home, just put your yeah. feet up and just rest have an early night don't stay up till 10 30 11 30 yeah. and again you know it, what's hard is that many women and I don't blame them don't want to tell anybody at work until they get to 12 yeah. weeks so those like in 70 percent suffer from nausea which is really tough you know really tough when you're when you're working yeah but like you say it's the things you can do when you get home have a, have a bath yeah. Yeah, some candles yeah. you know yeah. nourish yourself with what you're eating and meditate and you know all yeah. these great things that you can do to just make yourself feel better spend the yeah. weekends resting reading watching tv whatever it is that kind of fills you up um so the last question i want to ask you is what has been the biggest challenge in this career of kind of conflating the holistic and medical approach to fertility or your, the biggest challenge in your career generally biggest challenge in my career has been um I think the biggest challenge in my career was setting up the IVF part of the clinic you know mm. it was you know we did all the focus groups um I, I you know the vision we had was that we'd do the same for IVF as natural pregnancy the nutrition all of that but um setting that clinic up was the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life because 
I knew everything about IVF, but I knew nothing about running an IVF clinic. So mm. it was it was so successful at the beginning that you know we didn't have this, this the structure in place. It was it was just it, it was full on, full, 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 full on. But you know it worked, and that's mm. the most important and the most important thing. Absolutely, it definitely did work. So I end every show with a little segment called All About You, where I just ask a few questions in quick succession and yep. just kind of short answers. It's for the, the listeners to get to know the, the guest a little bit more. So here we go. If you could advise all parents who want to conceive one thing, what would it be? Have more sex. <laughs> sounds, sounds logical. Um, what ways do you personally use an integrative approach to life? What, how, can you just repeat that? What ways do you personally use an integrative approach to life? In what way? Sort of kind of a holistic lifestyle. What, what things do you lifestyle. implement in your life? Um, sleep. Sleep's mm. very important to me. That's so so um, I always try and go to bed at the same time unless I'm out at a party or whatever but usually you know sleep is really important taking supplements for me is important I you know during this virus I'm taking vitamin d omega-3 and coq10 you know all of the all of these things I've always been heavily into vitamins and minerals um what else what, what else do I do I exercise um I can't think of anything specific well, those are great. Those are great oh, tips. Yeah, I work. I work a lot. <laughs> Maybe not so much. The work, the work life. The work life balance is um, is is missing a bit at times. But um, on the whole, it, you know, I, I I look after myself. I think if you love what you do as well, then you're filled yeah. with with a yeah. sense of fulfillment that helps. Yeah, and I have. I mean, I'm surrounded by women and babies, and um, that's why I, I, you know, like, I love Instagram because I see the babies growing up mm. um, of, of of clients, and I think you know, friends and family are really important. And I think that I see a lot of women when they go through fertility because it's not happening for them that they start to distance themselves from friends and family and that's hard that's tough because I think you need friendships and you need family absolutely yeah and um, what's a lesson you've learned that you think only comes with the passing of time lesson I've learned that comes with the passing of time um I think I think wisdom I feel more wise now I thought I was wise at 40, but now I'm, you know, I'm 64 this year. It's, um, yeah, I do. I feel I know what I'm doing and I know what advice I'm giving is good. And I've reached a stage in my life when I want to give more. Yeah, that's lovely. Um, what career other than your own would you like to try? Oh, I love, um, I love interiors. So I'd love to... I'd love to be an interior designer. I really like, I love, you know, interiors. Uh, I used to be an interior designer. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah, it hard? It's it is. You know what? Like anything, when something becomes a business, it's the kind of the fun gets taken out of, you know, the fun aesthetic stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, got you into that in the first place but it is great I had some amazing but, you know one thing I will will add and, and I don't really want to change it or not but I used to often say to my husband when I was setting up you know when I was doing the clinic 
naturally for natural fertility. I say I wish I'd worked harder at school and become um, a doctor. I really wish that I had worked at my A-levels and gone down that route. And he said, look, I'm really glad you haven't because he said, I don't think you would have been as open to the whole holistic side if you had gone down the, the, the medical route. And you might be right. I don't know. Oh, that's so true. Look at the impact you've had on the world. Oh, don't know about that. Of, well, you have because of the route that you've taken, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, true. No, I do feel very fulfilled and 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 very happy. I think that's a lovely note to end on. So, Zita, thank you so much. We're going to link the details in the show notes, your Instagram account and your website and the vitamins and all of that. Thank you so much. And okay. uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. OK, take care. Bye bye. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to Recondition today. I'd be so grateful if you could subscribe and maybe even leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. And better still, if you could share with friends and family who could benefit from the content, that's what I'd really love. I just want us to share the love so that everyone can understand how to use an integrative approach to life and health. For more free resources, visit laurenvacneen.co.uk and laurenvacneencoaching.com.